0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at OKccommunitychurch.com. you guys ready to get after it today? Look at your neighbor and say, "Let's get it." Look, take a look at your other neighbor and say, "Let's get it." We are on week number four of our series called "Abide." Everyone say, "Abide." We have been experiencing an incredible 2023 together. We really have. It's been amazing. Just since the year started, we've seen so many stories of God's goodness and his movement in people's lives. We see dozens of people give their life to Christ for salvation. We've seen dozens of healing. We had 42 baptisms just in the last few months. I mean, it's been incredible. You guys, we could pause that, man. That is good. We've been praying like crazy, 10 days of prayer, 100 hours, 150 hours of prayer. We've had over 350 logged in the prayer room just in 2023. We've done Monday night prayer, which will be coming back because we believe everything begins and ends with. We love it, right? We've celebrated 10 years. It's been incredible. I got a little emotional. I was a little emotionally unstable. It was amazing. I cried, I think. We had an incredible alpha for adults and for students, our biggest alpha ever. And, you know, we've had hundreds of people connecting in groups, and this is not an accomplishment list, this is a celebration list, right? This is a celebration that God is good. How many of you guys agree that God is good? God is good, right? God is so good, and he's been so good to this church, and he's been so good to each of and every one of us. And you know, I just thought it was a perfect day to remind us of how we began this year. We started 2023 with a heart and a conviction and a passion that this year is all for him. That's what we said. Hey, it's all for him. It's all for you, God. We said we want to surrender this year to you. So what if you surrendered this year to him? And I just want you to know it's not too late to do it. <laughs> you know, even if you didn't, if, even if you're just coming into this thing midstream, you're like, God, I want to give you the rest of this year. I have stumbled or I've done whatever, but I want to give it to you. And of course... You know, we've used the language uh, in 2023 of this invitation for God to build a fire in our hearts. And every time we pray, every time we gather, every time we open God's word, it's like throwing another log on that fire saying, God, we want to draw near to you, so you will draw near to us. And God has used this imagery, if you will, of 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 building a fire in our hearts to do something powerful in our lives, to do something powerful in this church. And here's the temptation. The temptation now that summer is coming, that the rhythms are changing, is to take your spiritual foot off the spiritual pedal, if there's such a thing. Right? But this is the season to abide. Are you with me? To hang on, to remain, to stay Rhythms will change the summer, do your trips, have fun, chill out. But what if your summer you continue to build the fire in your heart? That's why I love this conversation that we're having in this series that we're calling Abide, that we are looking at this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in John 15 when he told them to remain, to stay. He's about to leave. What's he saying to them? I need you to stay in the game. I need you to keep going. I need you to abide in me and sometimes like different seasons passion looks different sometimes passion looks like fire sometimes passion looks like abiding but they aren't an either or it's not like one i'm going to either abide or i'm going to i'm going to or i'm going to be on fire like sometimes what we're talking about is a person who has a fire in their heart and who learns how to keep the fire burning through different seasons are y'all with me today so no more flameouts burnouts castouts or tapouts We have to stay, we have to remain, we have to abide, and we have to keep the fire burning. And so I've already said it, but I'm going to keep saying it because I need you today. I need you today. Are you all with me? Good, because I believe God wants to help some people today. I believe God has something in his word to help you. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I believe God has you here for a reason. And I believe God's going to use today to actually provoke something in you that's going to help your life. All right. So John 15, I'm fired up. I hope you are too. John 15, verse 1. We've read and reread John 15, verses 1 through 17, a number of times. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep digging deep because we're mining the truths of this amazing picture that Jesus gives us. He says, This I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or some translations say, the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, or, uh, excuse me, already. You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from me. So I've titled today's message, You Are Not a Machine. You are not a machine. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not a machine. We're going to get to that. But first I got, to, I got to stay in this gardening language that Jesus uses. Because I really love this language. I love this picture that Jesus uses. Jesus returns to where the story of humanity began. In a garden, right? And he says God is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. Most translations, that's what they use. They use that term gardener, right? Jesus identifies himself as the vine, meaning he is the central piece that everything has to connect to in order to have life. And then we are the branches, which might feel insignificant, but it's not. You're important because where does the fruit grow? It grows on the branches. And he says, You're a branch. So, this illustration that he gives us of this garden is, of course, this beautiful picture of the relational harmony between God, Jesus, and us. But it's also a relational hierarchy, right? God is the gardener. Jesus is the source of all life, and we are the branch. When we are connected to Jesus, we will bear fruit. So today I want to take it a level deeper. Is that all right? I want to take it a level deeper with this illustration that Jesus paints because this is not the direction that culture flows. You know, we established a few weeks ago that we live in an anti-abide culture. I don't know if you're aware of it, but our culture looks for shortcuts. Our culture looks for life hacks. We'd rather, we'd rather run than remain. We'd rather abandon over abide. We get tired of things really quickly. We are not a gardening culture as much as we are a machinery culture. Efficiency, mass production, speed, that's the name of the game. We live in a society that is conspiring against your intimacy with Jesus. It may be unintentional, but it is. Each of us have a limited resource bank. Do you understand that? You have limits. You only have so much energy, so much attention that you give to things, and so you wake up in the morning. And we live in a society that starts trying to rob those resources from you as the minute you wake up. It wants to take your energy and take your uh, your attention. So what happens? So what happens is so many believers, so many Christians. They have great intentions to abide with Jesus, but their resources have been robbed so dramatically that they simply don't have the energy to do it. And so it's like, yes, I want to rest in the power of God, but we literally don't have the energy to get the power of God. It's a strange deal that we live in. And why do we do this? Well, I think I want us to really capture this because I, we live in a society that pushes us in a different direction. It pushes us to be more efficient, more productive, more self-sufficient, and to move faster and faster. Anybody feel this? Yeah. But again, you're not a machine. Look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't choose, and tell them, "You're not a machine." You're not a machine, not a machine either, right? But how many of you have ever had one of those weeks where you're like, "No, I'm pretty sure I'm a machine. I'm a machine. I'm pretty sure I'm a machine. It's like a non-stop perform, produce, provide life, right? You wake up at the same time every day, do pretty much the same thing, and you wonder, hold on, am I in one of those movies where everybody's actually machines? And then you think, hold on, am I a machine and I don't even know it? Anybody have that thought? Oh, good. I'm not alone. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I don't think we're machines, right? Life can feel a little bit like one of these photos, right? It could feel like we're a little bit in an assembly line, right? Like just... How many of you guys feel that? You're just like, I'm just a, I'm just a cog in the wheel, right? Maybe you're like, well, I don't work in a factory. So maybe it looks like this. You're just like, I'm at, a, I'm at a cubicle farm. I'm just punching away at my keys every day, and I'm just doing this thing where I'm a part of a machine. So it's actually sort of easy to feel like that. Or maybe you feel like one of those robots um, that we used to see on the shows like the Jetsons. This may be dating me. Anybody remember the Jetsons? You guys remember, and I don't really remember this, but some of you do, but I know about it. About 40, 50 years ago, everybody thought the whole world was going to have robots in their house helping people live, right? But the joke's on us because we're the robots. (laughs) Parents sometimes feel like machines, right? Not me because my kids are perfect, but I've heard through the grapevine, pun intended, um, I've heard that some parents feel... A little bit like a short order cook or a, you know, Uber driver robot, right? Like, again, not us, but some parents. And maybe at work, it can feel a bit robotic. Maybe you question your value or your importance. I won't ask for hands, but I wonder if you ever feel that at your work. Maybe you feel like you're part of an unchangeable system that just expects you to perform at a certain level. Or maybe... You feel that way at, with our culture at large. It can feel like these Western cultural ideals that we have are these immovable, unchangeable systemic realities that get played out in a divisive political environment that seems to never change, racial inequity that keeps to keep going on and on, or and potentially even this, this, this drive to consume more, like we have, to, we have to consume more and more in order to be happy and so what we do is when we step back and we consider our American way of life, it can be a bit disheartening. And the truth is, is it should feel disheartening because without Jesus, without Jesus, it's full of nothing but this desire to accumulate more things in order to satisfy a need that those things will never fulfill. So for even, even for those of us who follow Jesus, we end up feeling a bit like a machine in this world Because we too carry the weight of performing, producing, and providing. But all Jesus called us to do was to be a person of abiding. I did a little poetry there. I don't know if you caught it. So what are we going to do? Well, first, we need to grow in our understanding of this gardening and abiding language. The truth is we are more fluent we are more fluent in efficiency and machinery language than we are abiding language. We actually are more comfortable talking about productivity than we are about abiding. And sometimes we have to put the mirror in front of our face and realize we are indeed a part of the problem because we are the person that is focused on performing, producing, and providing instead of abiding. So, We live, you got to remember this, we live in a culture that is bent on anything else. So we have to be intentional and we have to be mindful. So to help with this, I know that's the sort of setup. It's sort of some of the things we've been saying, but it's just saying in a little bit different way. But I have a thought to help you today, and that thought will lead to another thought. The first thought I want you to write down. So if you can get it on your phone, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And here it is. It says this. You don't have to do it all. You, (laughs) here's the deal. I know when some of you are writing this, your hand might start shaking. You don't have to, you might want to write it. I don't have to do it all. I'm going to have you look at your neighbor one more time. Look at them and say, say it real like you mean it. Say it with emphasis. Like, you don't have to do it all. Tell them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to do it all. And I told you, I told you that God's word is gonna help you today, and I believe we're gonna set some people free, so I wanna to get to the scriptures here. There's actually an amazing narrative in the story of Jesus that shows us this very point. We're gonna to go to Luke 4, starting in verse 40. It says this, and you're familiar with this story probably. It says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, He healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. Interesting side note here. Isn't it it interesting that most of the people in this time when we're reading the scriptures are confused about who Jesus is? There's one group who's not, and it's the demons. They know exactly who he is because they know that he's the power that can defeat them. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. Everyone say Messiah. Messiah. At daybreak, at daybreak, implying from sunset to daybreak, Jesus understands busyness, friends. Jesus went out to a solitary place. FYI, he was going out to abide. Then people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, anybody ever try to hide? And then they come and find you anyway. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. I want you to catch that. They don't want him to leave. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So, what is this about? What's going on here? Well, Jesus, first of all, is doing what he does, isn't he? He's like healing people. He's like, Oh, you got back problems? Oh, you got breathing problems? Oh, you got disease? He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a number, healed. Next, healed. Next, healed. He's just doing his work, right? And then he's even casting out demons, he's healing diseases, he's doing his thing. Then the next morning, people are coming to him and saying, Jesus, please don't leave us. We need you to stay. We need you to stay here as long as you can, Jesus. I'm sure the word was spreading. It's going to other towns. People are hearing about the miraculous work of Jesus. And they are thinking, oh, man, we got to get there. And so people are coming up to Jesus and saying, you don't understand, Jesus. The word is spread. My cousin across the lake, they're going to make it over here by noon. Can you at least stay till noon, Jesus? And, and this, is, this is this amazing moment. We see Jesus look at these people begging for him to stay. And he says, nope, I got to go. I got to get out of here. See you later. Bye. And he walks away. And he says, I got to go preach in some other towns. So you have these pressing, good things that he could be doing. You might even argue great things that he could be doing. People begging him to stay, and Jesus says, uh, sorry, got to go, bye. So let's think about this. There was a moment, a decision moment, at some point where Jesus decided that no matter how good or pressing the real needs of people are, at some point Jesus decides it's okay to walk away. Apparently, if anyone didn't have a Messiah complex, it was the Messiah, right? He's like, it's okay. I heard a pastor one time say, and don't you know in that crowd, there were a bunch of guilt trippers. Hey, we're giving him the guilt trips, right? Come on. I thought you came to save Jesus. Where are you going? Don't leave us, right? Like, I don't know if you've had a guilt tripper in your life. Like, what are you doing? Please, please stay, stay. We think you're the way. Well, I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but they're doing anything they can to get them to stay, right? Anybody got guilt trippers in your life? You're like trying to say no, and then they start just hanging something over your head. Well, Jesus, what does he say to the guilt trippers? Later, dudes. (laughs) I got to go. Deuces. Right? This is what Jesus is doing. Here's what I'm wanting you to hear. Jesus doesn't do it all. Jesus is not a machine. Real, pressing, urgent needs, sickness, healing needs, staring him in the face. And he says, okay, I gotta go. See you later. Bye. How does he stare this kind of stuff in the face and walk away? I wanna explore this because I think this is gonna help some people. I think it's gonna set some people free of some stuff. Luke 9, verse 51 says this. There's a little bit of a story happening, if you, don't, if you could believe it. There's a narrative thread here. And it says this. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. A few chapters later in Luke 13, verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem right? There are these little details that give you a picture of this narrative, right? Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to <gasps> Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Then in chapter 18, verse 31, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, hey guys, we're going to go on up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Then in chapter 19, verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going on up to Jerusalem. Again and again, it's placed in the narrative. It's like a beat in a song. He's going to Jerusalem. <laughs> He's going to Jerusalem. You know what I mean? It's like this beat, right? This filter of everything runs through this filter of Jesus trying to get to Jerusalem. And this journey to Jerusalem happens a few times in the ministry of Jesus. None more important, of course, than the last time that he set his sights on Jerusalem so he could go fulfill while he was sent to do the work that he did through the cross and the resurrection. So what he says yes to and what he says no to are dictated by this larger goal and mission in his life that he's got to get to Jerusalem. Now it's important to just pause and remember that his mission didn't lack compassion. Him going to Jerusalem, it didn't prevent him to being spontaneous or generous Because there's all sorts of examples in the scriptures. We could read them all day where Jesus pauses and demonstrates the ministry in the moment, right? Like he's not just so resolutely set that he doesn't have compassion or spontaneity. Jesus wasn't ever saying, I I can't talk right now. i got to get to Jerusalem. Jesus was not ever like, hey, get out of my way, losers. I'm going to Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't, no, there was something else. It wasn't like this kind of rigid laser focus. Rigidity in our faithfulness. And practices with Jesus can actually be a limiting factor. Here's what I want to say to the few of you who are like so rigid in your practice, so disciplined. You're like, this is how I live out my faith. I get up every morning at the same time and read the Bible the same way. And and I pray the same way. And then I do this on a weekly basis. And it's just like, think, 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 There is a lot of power in discipline. But if that is what you rest your faith in, if that is what you rest your faith in, you have put a limiting attitude and belief on your faith. He wants more for you. He wants you to have discipline. That is a beautiful thing. But he also wants to set you free into a life of saying, I can also, I can also be spontaneous, go off the beaten path. And every time Jesus did that, he eventually got back to this point where he said, I have to get to Jerusalem. I got to go. I'm sorry. So when it comes to his work and his mission, there is this giant thing in his life that everything's all about. And everything, every choice, every option, every good thing gets tied to this mission. And here's where this is going. Because I wonder how many of us struggle with this sort of clarity and confidence in our life. I wonder how many of us feel like we say yes to too many things. Anyone? I wonder how many of us feel the struggle to say yes to what we should say yes to. And we feel the struggle of saying no to things that we should say yes to, right? We need to say no to some things we say yes to. We need to say yes to some things we need to say no to. I wonder how many people I'm reading your mail if you still get mail. <laughs> we start feeling a bit like machines when we get this backwards. When we say yes to things that we aren't supposed to do or be, and we start we we begin to feel less human and more machine-like. So perhaps you need to hear today before everybody starts celebrating, listen to the rest of the sermon. You have permission to say no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to more responsibility. It's okay to say no to more consuming, no to more money. Just because it's more money doesn't mean it's better. It's okay to say no to more unnecessary weight in your life. Some of us have a lot of people that ask a lot of us. And it's okay to appropriately say no to those people at appropriate times. I feel like I'm like running a 90s drug campaign. Just say no. But listen, I say all that, and this isn't a talk to give you liberty to walk out of here, and anytime someone asks you to do something, you say, nope, I got to go to Jerusalem. Someone asks you to help the move, you're like, nope, pastor says I don't have to. Nope. Kids say, can we go to the park, mom, dad? Nope. I am freed of my obligation to say yes. No, we're going to stay home. Listen, take your kids to the park, help your friends move. This is not permission to do something that is selfish. Because here's the thing. If Jesus was saying no out of selfishness, laziness, or a lack of compassion or a lack of commitment, we would not be talking about Jesus today. Jesus said no because he knew what his yes was. And when you know your yes, you find freedom in saying no. But the problem is most of us don't really know what we're saying yes to. So this yes is a message in some measure about the limits you need to place on your life and the ability for you to start saying no to some things so you can say a better yes. But this is really, really, really a message about yes, the things that you're saying yes to in your life. Most of us don't have the clarity or confidence about who we are and where we're supposed to go. And so if someone says, stay, 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 you say, oh, okay, because I don't have anywhere else to go. What if you had somewhere to go and be? What if you had something to go and do? And so if the question is, you don't have to do it all, if that's thought one today, thought two is this, thought two is simply, but you have to abide in who God has called you to be. You don't have to do it all, but you do have to abide in who God has called you to be. And I don't know how many of us are really great at this. I don't know how many of us are really great at abiding in something that we feel like God has called us to, God has created us for. We talk about it all the time. You got to become, who are you becoming? But abiding is more about your relentless yes to the things he's called you to. I'm remaining and staying and hanging on to that. That's who I'm becoming. You see, we have to be a loud and proud branch. You understand that? The loud and proud branches are the ones who produce fruit. If you're a quiet, like, sit in the back, never really do anything, you don't even know where, why you exist or what you're trying to grow, guess what? Those are the, those are the branches the Lord's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this person. I, do I need to cut it off? Do I, need, what do, I, do I need to prune? The people that he prunes, the people that become the most fruitful, know why they are connected to the vine. Do you know your Jerusalem? Do you know your big yes? The thing that causes you to say no for a good reason so that you can say yes to the greater priority in your life. Many of us are working so hard to successfully fulfill the machinery and efficiency stuff of our life that life doesn't naturally flow in an abiding nature. We struggle to abide in who God has called us to be because we're so preoccupied with fulfilling the responsibilities of our life that has become a machine. I took some time this past week to consider, well, what's my Jerusalem? What's my Jerusalem? Meaning, what must I say yes to? And what is the thing that will give me the freedom to say no in the right moments? So I wrote a little statement. Here's what I said, are are y'all ready for this? It's sort of like a mission statement, but I didn't really call it a mission statement because probably I would write, it was just a quick thought. So, you know, I'm not putting this like, writing this in blood, but it's kind of a thing. guys got the right balance there it's like a thing but it needs some work i'm calling this my yes statement though my jerusalem this is what i wrote i will be faithful to god in all circumstances that was a big one i will faithfully love and lead my wife and family as the lord instructs and i will faithfully steward my calling to serve god's church with love courage creativity and gentleness that's it that's my yes that's my jerusalem that's what God has called me to abide in. I have to remain in that. And if I get outside of that or I, I let that go, well, I am missing something that God has created me for. Abide in Christ, abide in my calling, abide in him no matter what, lead and love my family and faithfully serve God's church. I'm saying yes to that. So I asked a few others in our church to do the same thing. I was just like, hey, you, would you write a statement out that sort of is your Jerusalem? Your, your, what do you feel like you have to abide in? So I had a few people send me. Well, you wanna hear a few? My friend Kyle Hicks, he's in my connect group. I asked him to do this. And this is a portion of what he wrote. He said, I am called to proclaim Yahweh is king of the universe. I am called to be a strong and confident man of God and go against the grain of this broken world. I am called to look and act differently. I am called to use my new heart to love people and to lead people to peace and happiness through the understanding of the powerful sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good, right? That's Kyle Hicks' Jerusalem, right? He's going for it. My friend Tracy Hughes, she serves in our kids' ministry, does an amazing job. She's also a principal of a school. And this is a portion of what she wrote. She said, I will pray to see all children and adults around me the way God sees them. I will delight and share in in his joy and all of the things that he makes each and every one of his children so unique and special as I abide in his will to teach, love, and disciple his precious children. I will spend sweet time with my family and recognize those small memory-making moments, the little gifts from God that means so much rather than hurrying through the opportunities to rest in his goodness. I love it. That's Tracy's yes, that's her Jerusalem. It's good, right? My friend, Quinn Mason, who serves on our prayer team, I asked him, he said, I will use my past experiences as a way to reach people for the Lord. I love how specific this is. I wanna oth- help others feel loved and heard, especially if they're young passionately using sports to minister to youth. And I wanna get, and this is, if you know Quinn, this is good, and I wanna get people excited about Jesus because being a believer is the most liberating and fun life that a person could ever have. That's Quinn's Jerusalem. What's yours? What's yours? What if you created clarity about your yes? Maybe then you can navigate the yeses and nos in life. Then you could say, no, I don't need that job. I don't need that money because I know my yes. No, I don't need that person in my life because I know my yes. Do you, need your, do you need to give yourself permission to say no? And if the answer to that is yes, then you have to figure out your yes. This is not about, oh, I gotta, just, I gotta create limits. That's, that's the world's version of self-help, protect yourself. No, give yourself to something Give yourself to the thing that God has called you to. This is not a self-protective culture that we need to abide in. We need to abide in what Jesus has called us to abide in. We abide in Christ, and we abide in who he has called us to be. Enough of this protects self all the time. Listen, there is a place for that, but it's not until after you figure out your yes. Then, then we are giving ourselves to something I want to give you something to do this week. Can I, can I actually suggest applying a message to the week ahead? Meaning you got some homework? So I'll put it on screen. I got a question for you. What is your Jerusalem, which we've been talking about, and here's the action. Write a statement declaring who you are and what God has called you to abide in. That's the question I sent to my three friends. What is a state, write a statement declaring who you are and what God has called you to abide in. Write that question down, take a picture, because you will not remember. And do that this week. Some of you are like, I already kind of know. I'm like, do you really know? Is it specific enough? Is it clear enough? Do you live by it? Or is it just sort of this, this thing we accidentally try and live out? Maybe it's time to be intentional. Maybe it's time to get serious about the thing that he's called you to. We can't abide until we understand what we're abiding in. Besides just this relationship with Christ and trying to have intimacy, which is where it begins, it flows into a life of being a branch where we are supposed to bear fruit. What's that fruit? What has he called you to remain in? It could be a paragraph. It could be one sentence. Just take some time and write out your Jerusalem. Listen, I'll close with this. God is a gardener. He's a gardener. And a gardener wants to create and cultivate health. Machines look to create productivity, performance, efficiency. But a gardener looks to produce health. He wants to make you healthy. You're set apart for a special work. You're not a machine. You are part of his vine. Jesus has called us to abide. And we have to get a grip on this abiding language in our life. Because we don't want. We don't want any more flameouts, burnouts, castouts, cast outs, or tap outs. We don't want that. We want to stay. We want to remain. We want to abide. We want to keep the fire burning. Anybody with me? I want to pray for us, and so I'm going to invite you to just stand. Would you stand? We're going to pray. And I want to create just a time of ministry over the next five minutes or so. This altar is going to be open. Opportunity if you come and pray. I would say don't leave today without just taking this opportunity to do something that actually responds to what God's putting in your heart. Would you bow your heads? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. Would you come? Would you take control of this room? Would you take control of our, of even our lives and our hearts? Just take a moment, invite him to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Let me just ask you today, are you tired? Are you tired of feeling like a machine? And if so, I get it, God gets it. Maybe your prayer today is God, would you show me, would you speak to me? tired of my life being defined by what others tell me to do or be. I want to be who you've called me to be. Maybe that's your prayer today. You got guilt trippers in your life. I don't know what you got. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you've been all over the map about what matters, who you are, where you're supposed to go. Like, I get it. Like, it takes time, but it takes you leaning in saying, Lord, I just want to know. I just want to know. Just inviting your heart to open up to him. So do you need prayer today? I want to invite this too. I know every time we come to church, people walk in with needs. If you have a need today that you need prayer for, we have people here that would love to pray with you. You can pray on your own, you can pray with people. If you need healing, if you need God to provide for something, if you need answers, if you you just need help today, that was the word I felt like the Lord gave me, that people need help today. If you need help today, come receive it. Ask the Lord for his help pray with the brother or sister to say, hey, I'm just asking for God's help today. If you need help today, would you come? Lord, we love you. We trust in you. And we know that this is all about saying yes. And so if you need to say yes to Jesus, you can come today and say, you know what, I've never given my life to Christ and I want to. That's all you got to say to someone and they'll lead you in a prayer just that they'll pray with you. You can receive Christ today. You can start a new life with him. Father, we give you this time. We give you this response. We give you this This time of just saying, Lord, thank you for your goodness. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Be a time of worship. Our altar's open. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.